Why me? Why is this happening to me? Have you ever found yourself asking these questions? Have you ever felt like the designated victim of any situations you were in? What does it take to rise from feeling like a victim and embrace what happened to you? And from embracing, what does it take one to go one step further and even celebrate it? Join me after the intro for a conversation with a very special friend with whom we will answer this and many more questions. Stay tuned. Do you feel stuck in your life? Do you feel unhappy but not completely sure what that is? Do you hold a grudge towards someone for something they did which affects you and the way you live your life? Have you ever told someone, I forgive you, but in reality you were not completely over what happened? Why is it so difficult to truly forgive? How do we forgive? And can anything and anyone be forgiven? Hi, my name is Rosanna D, and I'm the host of the Forgiven Tribe Show. This is a safe and not judgmental place for sharing opinions and challenging experiences where the practice of forgiveness helped individuals to get unstuck and create a much more fulfilling life than they had before. Join me in this exciting journey to unveil how you too can have the life you deserve. Simply click the subscribe button below to receive notification about future episodes. Welcome to the Forgiven Trail Show. Being diagnosed with a long-term health condition can be frightening and disorienting. Dealing with pain, therapies, medications, the changes that may bring in one's life can all be understandably overwhelming and stressful. And yet, even when diagnosed with the same condition, some people may feel devastated while others do their best to stay positive, happy and healthy. What makes some of us be beaten and defined by the challenges they face and others embrace life and beat the odds of those challenges and even find the opportunity in a devastating diagnosis? So today we bring to the show the life story and the positive message of a powerhouse, Kisha Greaves from Cambridge, Massachusetts. Kisha. Hi. Hi, Kisha. Well, just let me read something about, about yourself, but I want to know more from, from you in a moment. So you are the founder of Girls Chronically Rock. You are passionate about fashion and you hold a, a bachelor's degree in fashion design and merchandising and an MBA. At the age of 24, Kisha was uh, diagnosed with limb girdle muscular dystrophy and a life changed forever. But far from being bogged down by it, Kisha decided not only to embrace it, but to celebrate muscular dystrophy and other chronic illnesses, giving life to her dream of starting a fashion line. Today, Kisha is also a motivational speaker and a podcaster. She raises awareness about muscular dystrophy balancing life and with chronic illnesses, raising money for causes, advocating for disability and other related topics. She has been featured in several media outlets like Good Morning America, The Today Show, ABC News, and many more. One of her proudest moments is when she was featured in Today's Style Heroes 2018 for her inspiring clothing line, 
along with celebrities like Gabriella Union, Drew Barrymore, Devon Vansing, and many others. Kisha has also been um, working uh, as Massachusetts State Ambassador for the Muscular Dystrophy Association, MDA, for two years. And she has worked with the Massachusetts governor. She was able to have the 30th of September officially proclaimed as the Limb Girdle Muscular Dystrophy Awareness Day. And she has also received the proclamation from the mayor of the city of Cambridge. Wow, this is so inspiring. Hi, Keisha. Welcome to the Forgive and Try show. Thank you so much for being with us and taking the time to share your story and a very positive message with us. Oh, hi. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. So I read a number of things from your bio and uh, quite frankly, it's uh, remarkable for anyone to have achieved at such a young age uh, everything that you have already uh, in your bag. But it feels like you have had a lot of struggles as well. So I would like to start from, from that because sometimes we tend to see the positive uh, that people can, can achieve and we forget where they are coming from. And I think that is so powerful and so important to keep in mind that there are this uh, situation where you don't let that event or that illness or whatever that challenge you are facing to define you. So can we start with you? Um, yeah, sure. So yeah, it was like, as you mentioned, I was diagnosed at the age of 24. Um, as you can imagine, here I was in my early 20s, living my life in grad school, going out with friends, partying. And so I just started to get these symptoms out of nowhere where I would just be walking and my leg kind of just gave out on me. And I just noticed my body was just changing. So of course, you know, I just kind of brushed it off, not thinking anything of it. But my mom was like, let's go see a doctor. She thought maybe it was something in the feet. She said, let's go see an orthopedic. So we did. We seen an orthopedic out here in Boston, Mass at Tufts Medical Hospital. And, you know, I kind of go in, they examined me. They both kind of looked at each other like, um, yeah, I think you need to see a neurologist. And I'm just like, la-di-da, not really just thinking anything of it. I just think I need to exercise, lose weight. Everything will be fine. So I go to neurologist, and that's when um, we did several testings, like MRI, EKG. The most interesting of all was the muscle biopsy that they took from out of my right leg. And that's when my doctor said I have muscular dystrophy. So as you can imagine, when I got that phone call that day, that was, I was in total shock. Because I'm like, muscular dystrophy, I never heard of it. Nobody in my family seems to have it. So I'm like, what is she talking about? I'm thinking maybe she called the wrong patient. Or she got the test results mixed up. So that was honestly my first thought. But after that, I totally just shut down. Well, you mentioned something. Uh, you didn't know much about it. And uh, I guess a lot of people have heard the name muscular dystrophy, but they have no real understanding of what that illness, that condition really entitles to. Can you tell us something about it? Yeah, so sure. Just like those people, I never heard of it myself. You hear a lot more about like multiple, um, multiple sclerosis. So I was thinking, oh, like, you know, I never heard of muscular dystrophy. So like most of us, I go online and start researching. So I'm reading how it affects young boys at the age of birth. Um, you know, how some people don't live past their 40s. There's no treatment, no cure. 
So of course I'm reading all these things and I'm like, that's not me. I'm not a young boy. You know, I'm reading like, you don't live past 40, no treatment, no cure. So I'm just like, what? You know, so I'm just researching all this. And like they say, sometimes going online is not the best, but you know, I believe in some things I see read online. Because I'm just like, the doctor had to call the wrong patient. She didn't call me. So I'm learning as this, oh, you know, as it goes along, like, and still at 37 now, I feel like I'm still learning. You know what I mean? I'm learning how the body changes in an instance and how it progresses. So just to read there's no treatment or cure, that sucks. I totally, you know, shut down even more. Like, what's going to happen? What does my future hold? The only treatment for it is physical therapy, which I still do to this day. Um, I do aquatic therapy in the pool, and then I also do therapy online. But that's really it. And that's the thing with physical therapy and with muscular dystrophy. It's like a hit or miss. Because they say, yes, exercising is good, keep the muscles active. But then they're like, don't overwork it. You can't overwork your muscles because then you get too tired. So it's like, you know, you can't win. It's like, I want to exercise, but I can't overwork them. So it's just kind of like one of those challenging things. And what I realized over the years and what I realized to this day is that living with muscular dystrophy is like, I have no control over it. As much as people may say, oh, you got this or, you know, or diet change and people think they have all these medicines and treatments. No, I have no control over this muscular dystrophy. I wake up and this body tells me what it wants to do as much as I just kind of wake up and go with the flow because it has progressed over the years. It's definitely challenging. So it's just crazy how these things just come on your body. And to this day, like myself and others that have muscular dystrophy don't really know where it comes from. You know, like to this day, and this has been around since before I was born, I heard. And we just don't know, like, you know, reason of where it comes from. All this comes in our body. And as I mentioned, no, my parents didn't have it. My parents, both mom and dad. So it was just kind of like puzzling, like, where did this come from? Why me? Yeah, I can understand absolutely that. So how your life changed overnight? Because you were 24 when you discovered, right? So yeah. you were right in the middle of your 20s, full of energy, I'm sure. You had lots of dreams. So how your life really changed after that diagnosis? Um, sure. So it totally changed. Like, you know, I just, like, as I mentioned, shut down. I wasn't really telling family or friends. The only reason my cousins or family knew was because, you know, my aunt, um, my mom would correspond with, like, my sisters, my aunties. But it wasn't something I was totally expressing. So if you had asked me back then, Keisha, do you see yourself being an advocate for the disability community or talking on podcasts? I'll be like, no way, because I was in total denial. You know, like back then I was doing merchandising. I was able to drive independently, not having to rely on caregivers, driving from Nordstrom's, Macy's, doing merchandising for Tommy Hilfiger, Calvin Klein, just doing me. And I started to use a cane, but it was like I was embarrassed to use a cane. I know I needed it. But when I told people going on job interviews or going to work, oh, I use this cane because I sprayed my ankle or I was in a car accident. So I said everything but muscular dystrophy. Because saying muscular dystrophy for me was, it just made it seem for real. So saying I sprayed my ankle or I was in a car accident, it sounded better at the time. But I miss just able to drive, go in my raffle and just like be at peace, blasting, listening to the music in my car and turning up the volume so... All those things I miss, you know, I totally, I'm independent. I, I used to, I love things a certain way. I have like OCD. I, I love to be organized and just like have things in a particular way. So to have my life 
totally change and it progressed over time, now having to rely on caregivers and things like that, it, it, it has its challenges. I still have my days. Yes, I'm more accepting of it now because, like I said, I can't control it. I can't say, hey, muscular dystrophy, you come back a few years later. I have some things I have to do. This came on out of nowhere. Why, I still don't know, but I'm taking it on. And I'm a true believer in things do, some things do happen for a reason. I'm still trying to figure out the reason to this day, but, you know, that's, I guess that's why I'm here to advocate. I started the business, but, you know, it was a total change. You know, just going out, I just think I took for granted before trying to figure out going to a restaurant or to a club with friends. Is this place accessible? Is this place going to have an elevator? All these things I wasn't thinking about before. Even in college at Framingham State University, I was walking up and down the stairs, three flights of stairs, with my laundry coming home on the weekends, um, groceries coming back from mom's house. So it's like, it's so crazy how your body can change. So there I was not thinking about if the door has like an accessible button. So it's like all these things now have opened up my eyes and not just my eyes, but my close friends and family. Cause now just going to a restaurant, like my sister or family would call in advance. Hey, you know, my sister has a wheelchair. So if we can get an open table, same thing with traveling, I got to make sure the, the, um, Room is accessible, you know, rolling shower. So it's a lot. Like I tell people, I'm like, it's a lot more than an able body just for traveling, as you know, is exhausting just for an able body person. So here I am making sure my wheelchair doesn't get destroyed. Is this place going to have an accessible bedroom for me? So it's just like so much more that opened my eyes. And I'm like, wow, I really took things for granted. When I was younger, I used to play softball, run from base to base. So it's like, wow, what changed? Sometimes I wonder, is it something I ate? Something I did? Where did this come from? There is that sense of, uh, was it my fault? Uh, yeah. For, uh, for going that. Uh, absolutely. We will come back a, a little bit towards the end about the emotional uh, state. But right now, staying with that situation, if you have to mention some sort of keys that were really, really important for you that helped you uh, turn things around, because you are a very successful story uh, in, in the tragedy uh, of, of what happened, but you are very successful. You managed to embrace that. So what was really the turning point for you? I'm sure. So it definitely took some time. Like I tell people, I still have my days. You may see me smile, but, you know, I'm living with muscular dystrophy. It wasn't something I was born with. So it definitely took some time. It was like around, I think maybe like a year or two after, it was like my friend at the time. He's like, why don't you write a blog, post about your story? And I'm like, no way. Because like I said, you couldn't tell me I had muscular dystrophy. I was in denial. I'm like, no. So then one day I just opened my laptop and I just started writing and talking about the symptoms in the journey. Just like how I kind of am with you now and talking about the symptoms, what led to the doctor's appointment. And it was like, it took that moment as I'm typing it and saying it out loud. And I'm like, wow, I have muscular dystrophy. That's crazy. It was like, never mind what the doctors were saying. It was like, it took for me at that moment as I'm writing it and typing it. I'm like, I have muscular dystrophy. So once I just started typing it, it was like, I don't even think I proofread it, anything. I just posted it. I posted it on Facebook posted it on Tumblr, and then boom. And then it's like, I just got such great feedback. And these were like from people that, I mean, see me or talk to me on a regular basis. And they didn't know I was dealing with that. 
Because at the time, you know, I was still like, you know, like I walked with a little water, but you couldn't really look at me and say, oh, she has a disability. So they were like, oh, my God, thank you for sharing your story. This is awesome. Like, you know, I met so many other people like, oh, I know my family friend that has muscular dystrophy. And I was like, oh, well, this is kind of sweet. And it kind of opened up the shell a little bit for me because then I wanted to join, like, say, support groups. So I joined, like, support groups on Facebook, living with muscular dystrophy, living with limb girdle. On social media, I post like hashtags, um, hashtag disability awareness, hashtag muscular dystrophy. And that kind of helped me like reach a whole new range of people. And I'm just like, this is awesome. Because like I said, although I make it the support of family and friends, there's nothing. And I mean, nothing like talking to somebody who gets it and knows what it's like living with in a body that has muscular dystrophy. So it only makes sense to talk to them. So that kind of made me feel good. Like there's other people like me. You know, especially when I seen other like African-Americans, creators or designers, like living with a disability. I'm like, oh, look at them. You know, they're doing it. And that totally inspired me. And I still get inspired by some of them to this day. So I would say that that definitely helped me at the time to kind of come out of my shell. And yes, I have muscular dystrophy. This is what it is. No, that, that's fantastic. I mean, the, the power of uh, the, the community, I guess, uh, was uh, particularly important, right? Uh, yes. We're saying people that can uh, truly understand what you are going through and perhaps are experiencing either the same uh, condition or something very similar. So they, they, they know how to approach you and they know what to say uh, and they can fully understand. Did you have anybody who held you back? Who pulled you back? Mm-hmm. I would say I don't really think anybody held me back. I think it was mostly I held myself back. You know, because it's like, I didn't want to talk about it. I wasn't, you know, saying, yes, this is what I have. You know, like I said, going on job interviews with the cane. I'm like, oh, I sprained my ankle. I was in a car accident. Even dating then, like, I wasn't telling whoever I dated, like, oh, yeah, I have muscular dystrophy. Like, I was totally just oblivious, like, not saying anything about it. Like, this is me, you know, I'm driving. And, you know, because I felt like I was more able to hide it then. You know, but I don't feel like nobody held me back. It was, I got the support of family and friends. It was just myself holding myself back because I wasn't acknowledging that I, I had muscular dystrophy. So it was more uh, sort of not accepting the idea of the uh, the illness or yes. more a kind of uh, mindset, if you like. Uh, yeah, I think it was both. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, no, I don't have it. And every time I went back to the neurologist for a follow-up, I honestly was thinking she was going to say, oh, Keisha, we got your test results mixed up. You don't have muscular dystrophy. That's what I was thinking every time she walked in the room. But that wasn't the case. So how did Tisha had to change uh, in terms of mindset and uh, in terms of strength in order to accept the fact that she had muscular dystrophy? Um. Yeah, I think it was honestly, I had no choice. It's like, what choice do I have? Like, as I mentioned, like, this muscular dystrophy comes on us or, you know, people that gets any kind of disability. It's kind of like we don't wake up one day like, oh, hey, let me get that. It has no treatment, no cure. So I think as time went on and after I wrote the blog and kind of opening it up a little bit. And as I started working, I knew I had to say what was going on, because especially in the retail world, I, I went to school for fashion design. So I'm working in retail stores doing merchandising. So there will be times I had to, like, say, climb up the stairs to get inventory or do this, or carry a heavy box. And I'm like, I can't do that. Because that would just injure me even more. And if I had a fall, 
it wasn't like I was able to get myself back up. It was like I was totally like a dead weight. I was on the floor unless somebody got me back up. I think that kind of helped because I'm like, I have to tell my employers what's going on. Because it's like, for instance, if they ask me to climb up a ladder, I can't do that. That's not going to be safe for, you know, neither one of us. So I think that kind of helped over time. And, you know, it was just as time went on, it was like, like now, you know, it's like now I'm in a wheelchair where it's like, I can't hide it. I'm like, yeah, I have muscular dystrophy. It is what it is. So you either accept it or you don't. But like I said, I still have my days. I remind people, like, I'm living with muscular dystrophy. This is something, like, I went from walking to now I can't walk at all. I need to rely on caregivers. So, you know, it's a lot. If you had in front of you the younger Keisha, what would you say to her? I would say, first thing I would say is everything's going to be okay. I would say definitely enjoy your life even more. Go to the place where you want to go to Dubai. Go to Hawaii. Just do it up. You know, date around, do whatever. <laughs> you know, like, yes, I, I enjoyed myself. I must say, yes, you know, I traveled. I still was dating at that time. But it was like, you know, having after the diagnosis, it was just kind of like put on hold. Because I'm just like, what is my future hold? What is going to happen? So it was like, you know, all over the place. But I would say everything's going to be okay. Do what you have to do. Believe in yourself and stay motivated. That's absolutely beautiful. And... If there was in, in front of you a child with muscular dystrophy, how would you approach that with a child? Oh, that's so interesting you say that because I meet some kids that have it and I'm like, they are like inspire me. They are like doing their thing. They are like awesome. So I would say you go girl or you go boy because like, I have seen it, especially at events that like muscular dystrophy may hold or online and like you know because some of them were born with it you know so it's like you know i'm like they inspire me because i feel like i honestly learn from them so i say you go girl you go boy they're just like happy just like nothing's wrong and that's so awesome because they just you know and that's how i feel like we should be treated like you know normal just like everybody else we may just need accommodations but when i see them i'm like you go girl you know and treat them just like whatever because i'm like we're to, we're in this together you know they inspire me <laughs> I love what you're saying because sometimes we find children that are so much more, so much stronger and passionate yes. than adults are, right? Uh, as adults, we create so much problems uh, just in our, in our head. And uh, right. I always say that it's uh, about six inch uh, long between one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So. As it is today, what are really the challenges that you are facing with this condition? Um, yeah, some days I wake up, the body's like more fatigued than normal. There's some days it's like, I feel like I can't even get out the bed. Or the body just feels like so fatigued. And the thing about me, I can't speak for everybody that has muscular dystrophy, but the majority of people I talk to, especially wintertime, now out here in Boston, when it's getting cold, it really does affect our bodies. Like, I just try to avoid to go outside as much as I can. The coldness just makes our legs and body feel, like, more numb and more weak. And even when I was able to walk and stand up then, going out in the cold, having to then, like, stand up from a car coming from outside, like, it was just, like, a numb, weird feeling. It was, like, kind of hard to describe to anybody. So just, like, little things like that are just challenges that people may not, that may take for granted. But, yeah, I'm just, like, you know, some days I don't know what the body wants to do, but... 
of course, for me, um, you know, having to rely on caregivers, you know, I really can't get out the bed unless one of them show up to get me out because I can't stand up. I can't walk. So I use a Hoyer lift, which is like a sling, which is like a transfer. So they transfer me from the bed to the shower chair, shower chair to the back to the bed to get me dressed and then in my wheelchair. And then I'm in my wheelchair pretty much the rest of the day. So, you know, my, my life totally shifted. This is not like something I was born with. This was like, like sometimes I say like, I grieve the person I once was, if that makes sense. So it's like, I had this whole life before. So I, I kind of see like both sides now, like living in this able-bodied life. Now I'm a part of this awesome disability community. You know that I've met so many great, wonderful people, but it's like, you know, it definitely has its challenges. And all I can do is wake up, I tell people, and take each day at a time. But despite everything, I mean, uh, it must be really, really difficult, obviously, to uh, have all these uh, new routines in, uh, in your life. Oh, but yeah. despite everything, you still had the strength and the awesomeness, let me say, to realize your, your dream of starting a fashion line or going ahead with your dreams. And I believe that you are an inspiration for a lot of uh, young people who wants to go into mm. fashion as well. Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. So, um, as I mentioned, I always had a passion for fashion. Growing up, I knew I always wanted to be a fashion designer. I looked up to designers such as Kimora Lee Simmons, um, Tommy Hilfiger, and Betsy Johnson. So I knew I wanted to go to school for that, and I'm glad that my mom supported me throughout the journey. So, of course, when I was diagnosed, I'm just like, what does the future hold? Because I know I always want to be an entrepreneur and run my own business. So after coming out of my shell, you know, kind of denial a little bit, I thought maybe this all happened for a reason. I said, why not kind of pivot my business plan? Still do something in the fashion world, but kind of do something to help inspire and motivate others in the disability community. So how I came up with um, Girls Chronically Rock is most of my ideas come to mind when I'm sleeping at night. So I knew I wanted something to sound empowering and powerful. And so I was just lying in bed one night and I thought girls chronically rock. It was just kind of like stuck to me. So then I woke up the next day and I'm like, all right, that could be a business. Like, you know, and I knew I wanted to start off with t-shirts because I'm a huge fan of like graphic t-shirts of like different sayings, inspirational quotes. So once I came up with the name, I knew I had to design a logo. And then I wanted to come up with different inspirational quotes that were meaningful for me kind of like how I felt during my journey of being living with muscular dystrophy. So I came up with like, trust your dopeness, trust and believe in yourself. Everyone's favorite is, hello, my name is chronically ill badass. Because it's like, yeah, we may have a disability chronically ill, but we're still striving and doing what we can every day. And so just like little things like that, I wanted to put on a t-shirt. So I first started with Etsy. And then from there, about a year later, after that, I think in 2017, that's when I launched the website. For girls chronically raw and it felt good I felt excited but I knew I just didn't want to do t-shirts I wanted to create like an adaptive clothing line because people don't understand like it takes a lot for us to get dressed on a daily basis you know just like uh, for able-bodied person I'm not able to get up like I used to and like oh yeah let me throw on these pants let me throw on this shirt no it's a challenge I'm like even have to tell my family and friends you want me to go out you need to let me know in advance because it takes time just putting on pants putting on t-shirt and that's even with my caregiver help. And so after about like, I think it was last year, I um, launched an adaptive swimwear line. 
for people for for women for people with disabilities, which it comes with um hooks on the shoulder where it's easy to take on and off. And I know some people may think, oh well, swimsuits are just for summertime in the beach. And I'm like, no, actually, for someone like myself, I go to aquatic therapy at Spalding twice a week. And so I'm like, for some someone like myself, I go pool in the pool like all year round. So you can imagine for an able-bodied person coming out from the water, taking off your bathing suit, that's a lot. So imagine someone like myself has a disability, trying to hold on for their life, taking off the bathing suit. So I'm like, I wanted to create something more accessible, more functional to take, make it easier for us to get dressed, to take on and off, and for us to feel confident within our own skin. So that's why I have the adaptive t-shirts right now regular t-shirts, adaptive swimwear, and then I don't plan on stopping there. I want to create so much more adaptive clothing because I'm so proud that adaptive clothing is getting more awareness in the fashion industry. And so I feel like with my fashion skills and knowledge I went to school with, now I can bring that and show that within the fashion industry. It's extremely important to make sure that everyone can uh, be able to do whatever they, they feel like doing. Right, uh, exactly. Despite the, the body they, they have, uh, they have to deal with. So, yes. So <laughs> I, I love the, the fact that you are writing on these t shirts all the messages that for you are important. Because I think we, as a society, we carry a lot of stigma around a lot of things. And I started this podcast because I wanted to raise awareness about mental health. I um, burned out a few years ago and I went through some um, stigma uh, myself and I said, okay, enough. Uh, I need to, to do something whenever, wherever I can to raise awareness about it. Everyone can basically uh, fall in the, in the trap of mental health. So I really appreciate the fact that you are taking initiative on uh, another front to really put all these um, sentences and all these words that uh, really resonated with, with you. Um, how people react to those uh, uh, T-shirts and uh, people that um, are not everyday um, involved with this kind of disabilities, so are a little bit uh, on a side? I'm sure. I would say I definitely, of course, starting a business is slow at first because I'm like, what I may like, the next person may not. So I definitely started with different designs, different logos, different colorings. And, you know, I kind of just feel like getting it out there, you know, being on podcasts, sharing my story. I definitely have got a lot of support from people with disabilities and people without, you know, so I get customers that, you know, they're like, I just love your mission. I love what you're doing and I want to wear your shirt just to support it. You know, they, they would purchase like a Girls Chronically Rock t-shirt. And then some would be like, you know what, I'm going to buy this for my cousin. They live with lupus and I, they live with MS and I, that makes me feel so good. So I definitely got a lot of feedback and support. And I love that because sometimes, you know, running a business, as you probably know, like you can doubt yourself and you're like, do people like it? Are they going to buy it? What, what should I do? What should I change? But if I get a message or when I get like an order or a sale notification, that someone bought a t-shirt or someone wrote me a message saying, Keisha, I love your mission. I love what you're doing. Keep going. I'm like, oh, you know, that definitely makes me feel emotional. And it makes me feel good. Like, oh, people do understand what I'm doing. They, they get it. They're noticing. And 
you know, that keeps me motivated to keep going. So that definitely makes me feel good. You know, when uh, I'm smiling, because when I see you talking, you are uh, extremely smiley. I, I cannot see a disabled person. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I see what I introduced at the very beginning, a powerhouse. So what keeps you so motivated of, of going ahead and crushing it uh, every single day? What, what keeps you smiling all the time? I would say I definitely try, as I said, just getting those messages from people or people purchasing my T-shirts. It makes me feel good. And then just like someone like yourself wanting me to be on their podcast. It's like, oh, you want me? You know, and I appreciate just like the littlest things, you know, very humble and I just get every opportunity just to share my story. And I think it's awesome when people want to interview me and hear my story. Because like I said, sometimes I can doubt myself. And so, but, you know, I definitely just keep motivating. And I tell people a lot of times what keeps me insane and keeps me smiling is I like to watch a lot of TV. TV keeps me sane. When I have a bad day, when I'm down, feeling depressed or, you know, the mental health is really affecting me and having to rely on PCAs. Just knowing that I have some show I recorded or something on Netflix, it's like, I tell people, I'm like, that's what keeps me sane. Like, and the shows just entertain me. Or like a new thing I'm addicted to is a TikTok now on social media. Because people make such funny videos and they don't even know that I could be like one minute crying or having a bad day. I go on TikTok in this video and I'm like, ah! <laughs> you know what I mean? And it just totally puts me in a different mood. So it's like between TikTok and watching my TV shows, that's honestly what keeps me sane. I tell people that all the time. How difficult is to, uh, I mean, you mentioned TikTok and you mentioned uh, some of these uh, shows, but um, how often and how difficult can be uh, for you to sort of raise out of these uh, uh, emotions of sadness and uh, perhaps, I don't know, self-pity, and sometimes uh, I'm still struggling with mental health, and uh, sometimes I have this uh, sort of, uh, uh, I go in cycles, and uh, I really struggle with, with it, and uh, I have the, the minimum of the self-truth uh, sort of situation, self-pity, and then uh, I start talking me uh, out or try to, uh, at the very least. So how often do you have this... Uh, cycles uh, if you have them and uh, what again takes you out apart from this uh, these shows mentally what, yeah. what mindset perhaps so yeah it definitely I definitely still have my cycles like you know I probably had one just like two months ago you know where I'm just like why me what's going on like I just get frustrated it could be like the simplest thing is like my body's tired it's aching I can't get out of bed my caregiver is not showing up, not showing up on time for me. It's like, it's all just aggravating. So it's like, it's hard. And there's some things where it's like, I can't even tell you like, oh yeah, I do this to get out of this mindset. Cause it's like, to me, once I'm in that mindset of like feeling down and depressed, I feel like I can't get out of it. It's like, it's either up to me to like try to see if I'm going to get help, which is now I think I found, a, I found an awesome therapist, which I'm happy about. I've had some therapists in the past where I'm just like, Eh, like you're not making me feel any better and so I feel like I found one now that you know I just kind of feel like makes me more feel at ease like listening I feel heard but you know I still gonna have those cycles so yes I I do expect to still get them although I have a therapist and 
I make sure to tell her that, but I try to keep motivated. I got downloaded this new app. It's called like um I think Stay Calm, and they give me like affirmations every day, like believe in yourself. I feel comfortable within my body, so they kind of alert me on my phone, and I like them. Not all of them I may feel like I don't resonate with, but there's a lot of them where I'm like, and I would share it and post it on my Instagram. And that has honestly been making me feel good. So I'm like, oh, who would have thought? So just posting those affirmations. And even my therapist mentioned, you know, you can even do posties and put them on your mirror. And I'm like, that's such a good idea. So it's like, as of today, I tell people, yeah, I'm in a good space, good mood today. But that may change tomorrow. And it could be like, I can't even tell you what it is. It could be the littlest things. Like I said, that caregiver annoying me. Someone saying something to piss me off. That could be family or friends. So it could be everything, and then my whole mood just shuts down. And it's like, and it, and it sucks, because it's like, I would be in such a great place. I'll be happy, like, oh, I'm watching my shows. And then it's like that, the mood could change, and I totally go up to a dark place. But I feel like once I'm in that place, it's kind of like I don't have a control. It's like whatever gets me out, gets me out. It's like it could be sometimes I may not even go on my phone to go on TikTok. You know, or some days I do, and then that may help. And then some days it's like I'm really just in that place and I have to just wait till I get out of it. Yeah, I can uh, definitely uh, see myself uh, as well living those uh, those moments. So I, I totally understand what, what you are saying. And, you know, this, this podcast is called Forgiven Tribe. And one of the reasons uh, when I decided to start a podcast uh, that made me put together these two words was out of my personal uh, story. And I realized that I was living with a lot of uh, uh, these negative emotions, a lot of anger, a lot of resentment. And then uh, I felt uh, guilty and, uh, you know, and I had this uh, self-pity and all these sorts of things. And I realized that one way I could release all of them was through forgiveness. So this uh, concept of really the act of letting go everything that is uh, not really serving me in my life anymore and, and and move forward and the moment that forgiveness entered my life or self-forgiveness uh, i should say in, in that case um then i started thriving again i started looking how i could improve my life and improve the life of those around me so I would like to uh, talk with you about that. What do you think about forgiveness or, and self-forgiveness uh, uh, in particular? And is there perhaps a room for forgiveness uh, also when you feel down because of a condition that you didn't ask for, but you know, it, it's just happened to be part of your life? Yeah, it's it's awesome that you know you say that forgiveness and. That helped. And that's something I think I'm working on now. I'm going to be honest. I can't even say like, oh, yeah, forgiveness has helped me because I think that's something I'm still struggling with. Like there's some friends and family members that I don't speak to them now. And it's like, how do I forgive? I'm very like a term that we like to use is petty. I guess, you know, like kind of take things out of context or, you know, or when I get upset, I block or remove somebody out of my life. And it's like, like you said, sometimes for what? What is that doing for me? I may be upset, but then that, you know, angerness might fade away after a while. So that's something I feel like right now I'm discussing with my therapist of forgiveness. You know, it's like, how did I get here? And 
we're seeing those affirmations. So yeah, forgiveness, I must say, I'm a work in progress when it comes to that right now. <laughs> Fantastic. So if there were uh, a few lessons uh, about life in general and uh, how to overcome difficult situations and still have a beautiful smile on your face, what would you say they are? Um, I would say never give up. That is something I realize to this day. Advocate, speak up for yourself. Because like I tell others like myself, if you don't speak up and advocate and let them know this is what you need, I'm like, I would not be where I am today. And that's regarding like say medical supplies, getting a wheelchair, getting this or that. I'm like, if I didn't speak up, like as I have been like throughout the years, I would not be where I am today. So I definitely realized don't give up, speak up, advocate, not just for yourself, but others and spread awareness. Because if you don't, not, nobody's going to know. No one's going to listen and your voice is not going to be heard. So that is something I definitely realized throughout these years. That is so true. That is so true. Uh, unfortunately, there are people that uh, good for them. They are, they don't experience certain situation, and therefore they don't have the uh, sensitivity to to understand what it means. So it is important for everybody with uh, a condition, whatever that that is, to uh, to speak up for themselves and uh, to protect themselves uh, as well from uh, from the stigma or. Um, any sort of uh, uh, issue that might come from not really understanding what it means to, to live with that. Yeah. So uh, I really appreciate everything that you are doing and uh, all your commitment uh, in uh, raising awareness on, on this. I think it's uh, extremely important and even more commendable because you are really uh, struggling physically to, um, to do a lot of things. So you are putting yourself uh, really a lot out for uh, everybody and not just people with disability and I'm not saying that just for saying but I think it's important for everybody else first of all to learn from your message uh, and your example but also uh, to pay more attention uh, to, to life in general and appreciate everything that is coming in that moment because we never know right it's what you said at the beginning uh, thinking of talking to the youngest, uh, younger Keisha. Right? Yeah. Keisha, what do you have right now in your pipeline? What are you working on? I know that you have all these programs and, uh, uh, in, in mind and you are working on your uh, clothesline and uh, raising awareness. Is there anything specific that you want to uh, point out here? Shall um, we? Sure, we'll just definitely um, check out my website um, www.girlschronicallyrock.com. I'm always looking to add new t-shirt designs, new inspirational quotes. I'm working on new designs all the time. I'm hoping to come up with some more adaptive pieces. And I, a lot of people don't know too, I also have a nonprofit, which is called a GCR Adaptive Project. And with that, I am working with um, college universities, the one I actually graduated from, and hoping to get more on board of teaching the fashion students the importance of adaptive fashion. Because when I was in school, I felt like I didn't learn that. And of course, why would I? I wasn't thinking about disability then or accessibility. So my mind was totally, you know, someplace else. So I think it's important now to incorporate that. And I feel like that should be a regular curriculum now in these schools to create adaptive fashion while they're in school so they can learn it. Because now designers like Tommy Hilfiger has an adaptive line. Target, 
cold. So it's, it's getting more awareness and I'm happy about that. So that is my um, nonprofit for that. And that like I work with schools, you know, donate money so they can buy the materials and everything, you know, that they need. Because the fashion school, people think that they buy the materials for us. Oh, no. So I'm like, thank goodness for my mom because I know I was in ag back then. I'm like, mom, I need this. I need to buy this. And it costs a lot. And so that's what the GCR Adaptive Project is about. And that is gcradaptive.org. So definitely feel free to check those out. Absolutely. Thank you very much for this. We will put all the links in the description of today's episode so everybody can go and uh, uh, check out uh, all your, uh, your links. Before going, one final question. If there was one take-home message that you would love everybody to remember from this conversation, what that would be? Mm, I always say, like, the first thing that comes to mind, I guess it's like a Nike slogan, but just do it. If you have a passion or if you have an idea, just do it. Because, because before you know it, life passes you by. I mean, the days are going by much faster these days. So if you have something in mind or something you want to do, you want to start that business, just do it. Go for it. Just do it. I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, I hope Thank that you. episode has inspired anybody listening on how disabilities don't define people who suffer for them and that anybody can thrive in life if they focus on doing what their disability doesn't prevent them succeeding at. And if you still have doubts, please consider what Stephen Hawkins once said. However difficult life may seem, there is always something that you can do and succeed at. Kisha, thank you so much for accepting our invitation, for spending this uh, uh, past hour with us. I really enjoyed this, uh, this conversation. Thank you for everything you do, I mean, and your mission and uh, uh, your uh, nonprofit as well uh, is uh, very commendable. And we will put all the links, as I said, in uh, the description of today's episode. So did I. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, we would love to know what you think about this topic. Are you or is somebody, you know, living with a chronic illness and struggling to come to terms with it? Do you have any questions that perhaps we didn't address today? If so, let us know. Get in touch. And also don't forget to check Kisha's website at Girls Chronic Rock to follow her on social media. You will find all the links in the description of today's episode. If you have been affected in any way by the topic we discussed today, as always, I invite you to seek professional help. Join me next time when we will continue exploring inspiring and challenging situations. Because remember, we are together in this journey. Remember, forgiveness is like a muscle. The more you practice, the stronger and more effective it becomes. If you haven't done it yet, you can subscribe by clicking the subscribe button below. If you know anybody who could benefit from the topics discussed in this show, do some good and share the link with them. If you have a story that you want to share with us, comments or suggestions on topics you would like to be explored, send me an email at forgiventrive at gmail.com. Reviews will also be very much appreciated. And with this, it's a wrap. Till next time, thank you and goodbye.